need advice for your fantasy football team? How about your DraftKings or FanDuel lineup? Goingfor2.com has you covered. Goingfor2.com has exclusive content from some of the best fantasy writers in the industry whose credentials include Bleacher Report, Fantasy Pros, and Fantasy Life. From advice columns to player ranks, Goingfor2.com has it all. Sign up for our newsletter to have all of our content sent to your inbox. Start winning today. Visit goingfor2.com because no one remembers the extra point. Welcome to episode two of our eight-part mini-series on the uh, path to the draft. Uh, today we're going to be covering the AFC North. Uh, a couple things that, number one, what's who's a key player that needs the most out of this draft or coach or GM. A um, couple ideal targets and sleepers that each team could be grabbing. And finally, their top three needs. Um, first, let's get kicked off with some news and notes. Not much really going on except for the release of the NFL schedule. Um, got a bunch of good games, obviously, on the schedule. Um, personally, for me, I am excited to be playing for the Buffalo Bills to be playing on Thursday uh, Thanksgiving in Dallas. Uh, that's pretty much our only, in quotes, primetime game. It's at 4.30, but obviously it's the only game going on at that time. Other than that, the rest of our schedule is at 1 o'clock, except for potentially Week 16 versus the Patriots. We could be flexed to Sunday night. Uh, that's one of the uh, potential triple head triple header games that the NFL put out for that day. Um, other than that, we have we open up against Le'Veon Bell and the Jets in in New Jersey in week one. Uh, I know, I mean, it's, it's rare to be on Thanksgiving. Uh, Adam, you're pretty used to playing on Thanksgiving. Uh, any thoughts mm-hmm. on a couple of games for that Detroit plays this year? Uh, well, I mean, you got the Thanksgiving game against the, against the bears, which is uh, kind of a redemption game since we did get beat last year by them. Uh, I mean, I, I like the schedule for as like, as a fan for some reason is, we have the Chargers here. Um, I'm a big Phillip Rivers fan. Never got to see him play. I'm hoping to mark that off the, the bucket list this year. And then, I mean, it's pretty much the same old, same old. I mean, Green Bay, um, the Giants are here, which is pretty exciting, even though they are in a rebuild. You know, can't go wrong seeing Barkley. Um, the, the new look, uh, Oakland Raiders, Los Angeles Raiders, or Las Vegas Raiders, there uh, we go against them. Is that's gonna be a good game? And you know, I'm just I'm just hoping the season is good. Our schedule is uh, somewhat difficult, so I'm hoping that you know through the draft and stuff we can shore up some pieces and uh, do something well. I mean, plus there is a a minor. Well, it's a major rumor, but there's only there's not really too much backing it right now, other than uh, Stafford might potentially sit out this season due to the recovery of his wife. So hopefully that's not the case, because if it is, it's it's going to be unfortunate. We're not going to be able to see the team of how it's supposed to be played out. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. I, I definitely want to be able to see Stafford play. He's always been one of my favorite quarterbacks. Him, uh, Phillip Rivers, kind of just like those low-key guys. Um, just I, I hope – and but obviously – um, he's got to do what's best for him and his family. Uh, and it's a big thing with his wife. So hopefully everything's good for him. Um, it's the schedule releases. I love this time of year. I love this day. It's just, uh, it means that we're one step closer to the actual football season. Twitter has kind of ruined it the past couple of years, basically uh, leaking different schedules and, and different games. Like instead of waiting around till eight o'clock and actually having the whole schedule released for the first time, it's like you kind of knew most of the games throughout the day. So that kind of sucks, but uh, I'm glad it's finally out. And a couple key games this year before we get into today's main, main show, we got obviously the season starts off with green Bay at Chicago in week one, uh, instead of new England getting the first Thursday night game of the year, they're starting with that game for the NFL's 100th season. Uh, new England actually starts off on Sunday night football versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I find that kind of, kind of funny because they get to raise their sixth banner in front of the Steelers who also have six rings. Um, the, rematch of the uh, Rams and Saints game is in week two uh, so that's going to be fun to watch see see what happens there um, and then 
got Kansas City and New England late in the season, week 14. That's a, a during the season that that game last year was a high scoring game, and then the um, and then in the playoffs, that's who knocked New England. Obviously, knocked Kansas City off to make it to the Super Bowl. Um, just we got a lot of good games on the schedule this year. Uh, a couple of games in Mexico, a couple of games overseas in London. So it's uh, it's going to be a fun year. But let's get into today's today's talk. Um, the AFC North, obviously, that consists of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns, and Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we'll kick it off with the. Uh, well, why don't you kick it off? Uh, who do you want to talk about first, and and who who needs the best drafts? I say that we mentioned the Browns first, just because for the first time in a long time, the Browns are the team to talk about in the AFC North. You know, in, in a good way. I mean, usually it's that uh, they're zero and sixteen. They won two games the previous season, and normally people are guessing how bad they're going to be and if they can be any worse. And this year, man, there's excitement. There's something to be pumped about. Like, I'm even thinking coming from Michigan, going down to Ohio and taking the drive and, and seeing a Cleveland game this year. Uh, and I, I'm going to start, due to there being so much excitement and so much the, the expectations are so high this year, I'm going to say the, the, the person that needs the best draft is the head coach, Freddie Kitchens. Just for some reason is there's a ton of pressure on him. You know, he's a first-year head coach, and but there's a, there's good reason to have a lot of pressure on, you know, with Baker, Laundry, Beckham, uh, and, a, and a good uh, running back duo in Chubb and Kareem Hunt. There's no really reason for them to fail. I mean, this draft is going to be made for, you know, Kitchens to find the key pieces that are remaining on the offensive side of the defensive side of the ball and key depth guys. I mean – we see it every year, uh, you know, guy gets hurt and it's the next it's the next man up. And in order for, you know, Cleveland to, to succeed, they got they're going to have to have some guys for depth that can potentially start, even if, even if it's a spot start for one or two starts. For some reason is, even though they should be good and competitive this year, they don't have enough right now to take big losses. Like if Odell were to get hurt or Lonji were to get hurt, who do they have to go with the healthy receiver? You know, not much really behind them. So uh, I'm definitely hoping that they can continue to build a winning team for Freddie Kitchens because uh, we all know if there's high expectations and it doesn't happen right away or when when it's expected to happen, the coach kind of gets, you know, he's kind of the scapegoat and everything. Yeah, he was – he was on my list a little bit further down. Uh, I really didn't want to put a rookie head coach there, so um, I'm I'm not going to go with him. Uh, before I get into mine, though, uh, you mentioned maybe driving down to Ohio. Buffalo actually plays in in Cleveland this year in Week Ten, and and as soon as the schedule was released, me and my buddies are texting back and forth, and they're definitely they definitely came up on the possibility of going down there. So that would be pretty awesome. But um, the guy I chose is uh, the GM John Dorsey. Uh, Kind of the same reasons as you with the coach. I mean, I guess it's it all kind of goes hand in hand. But basically, uh, the Browns have done an amazing job with putting together a team that is ready to win now, like you said. Uh, they did trade their first-round pick, which was 17th overall, to the Giants for Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, the team really doesn't have many needs outside of, outside of depth needs. Um, so it really was hard to pick somebody, like an actual player here. Um, so... I think it has to be Dorsey just for the simple fact that he basically has to continue to field a strong roster for years to come instead of just being like a one-hit wonder all hyped up this year because they are hyped up, but they haven't done anything on the field yet. Uh, Baker has shown a lot of stride last year. Um, Obviously, he uh, broke the record for the most touchdowns uh, for a quarterback in his rookie season, and he could only... You can only go up from there. Uh, but big things are happening in Cleveland, and the fans should be excited. I think that – I don't think it's fair to put a lot of pressure on on Kitchens just yet, uh, being that it is his first season. I mean, he's going to have that offense going. The defense is, is really good as well. Um, it's basically up to John Dorsey to not only have a good draft for depth this year, but uh, just kind of getting those – just kind of getting those players in there that can continue to keep this going. And, and so they're not just that one-year team, okay, they make the playoffs now, but they're back to square one next year. 
Yeah, and that I'm I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Um, <clears throat> they got the pieces in place for multiple years, so I mean that it, it's big. I think you know you look you you do have to consider the GM and the head coach just because yeah the you know the, the, the head coaches is just if anybody gets fired first really I mean outside of coordinators it's he wasn't horrible I mean he had I mean he led Miami to the playoffs the first year. And then he didn't have a horrible season last year. I think they went what seven and nine. I mean, and he just he got the X because this and, and expectations aren't nearly as high over Miami at that time than they are in Cleveland right now. Yeah, and it's a little I, it's a little unfair for Gase too because he did lose his quarterback for a good chunk of time last year too. Tannehill wasn't uh, Tannehill got hurt, but. Uh, I mean, I definitely, definitely see where you're coming from. And Kitchens, he is, like I said, I, it, I don't want to say that I wasn't thinking about him. I just, I didn't want to have him up there just yet. Like I said, first year coach. I know I mentioned one on our on our AFC East one with um, with uh, the Miami coach, but I, I didn't want to do it again. Uh, so I got, like I said, I got John Dorsey. You got Kitchens. Uh, let's get into the ideal target. Who do you think? Now they obviously don't have a pick uh, in the first round unless they trade back up. So who do you think their ideal target is? Who should they be targeting in the second round? Well, I gave him a guy who I have a first-round grade on. Quite a few people have a first-round grade on. But due to quarterbacks, the defensive class, so we've said numerous times, he could potentially fall to him in the second round. That's uh, Boston College's offensive guard, Chris Lindstrom. You know, I think Cleveland's offensive line is good. It's not great, but it's good. But an upgrade at the guard position is necessary. Uh, Lindstrom's a very good guard. And if they can get him a second round, I think they pull the trigger right away just because he's going to be a piece for them for the next 10 years on that line. Um, he, he's a, a good blocker uh, in the passing game. He can open up some holes for the running backs. And uh, I think they are lacking on that line a, a keystone. Now, they got a bunch of guys that can do their job. They don't have that – Joe Thomas on that line anymore <clears throat> and uh, they trade away Kevin uh, Kevin Zettler if I'm, if I'm pronouncing that correctly yep. they traded him into the uh, you know to the, the Giants and uh, he's going to need to be replaced because he was their stud on the offensive line and so uh, the Cleveland Browns talk is going to be pretty short because and just for your listeners out there we did not compare notes with each other um, we just Kind of are thinking the same because I have Chris Lindstrom as well, uh, the offensive guard out of Boston College. Uh, basically, what I said about him was if there is a weak point on this team, it's definitely the offensive line. Um, now, they only did give up 38 total sacks last year uh, combined between Tyrod and Baker starting, and they created an almost 1,000-yard rusher, uh, albeit rookie too, um, in, in uh, Nick Chubb. And, but anytime that you can improve in the trenches – Trenches is where you win football games. It's a good thing. Uh, so Chris Lindstrom, he should be there in the second round when they pick. I know you said he he has a first round grade from uh, some scouts out there, but with it's just one of those things where good players are going to fall because of how deep the rest of the draft is. So he's definitely a a hot target for them there. Uh, who do you got as your sleeper? I have somebody that I'm hoping to get on the pod soon. Uh, we had some miscommunications, but Clifton Duck. Uh, Clifton Duck, I think, is probably the one of the biggest sleepers in this class. He, he's going to be a guy that they can probably grab in the fourth to sixth round, and I think he can instantly contribute. Um, outside of, you know, rookie sensation Denzel Ward, the Browns don't have too much top-end talent, you know, in that, in that, at the corner position. And Clifton Duck, man, is, is a, ball hard, uh, a ball hawk. I mean, he has a nose for football. He's he's all for being a a secondary guy, a line, or secondary talent. He uh he's around the ball. It's just as much as like a linebacker is. But he can pick passes off. He can read plays. And with them trading away Jabril Peppers, Clifton Duck can actually come in and return kicks as well. So I mean, that's a that's a need that they do have as well as a, for looking for a return man. And I think Clifton Duck has three or four. Maybe four, uh, like returns that went for touchdowns. So the talents there, uh, he's just he, he played for Appalachian State, 
App State doesn't get as much love, even though they do do well. But it, 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 we're looking at a freshman of the year for the Sun Belt. I mean, he picked off, I think, uh, I'm not too sure, I think it was six or seven passes his freshman year. And uh, he started 39 games, so he has experience. And I, I think he, he'd be a great pairing with Denzel Ward. Yeah, I like that one a lot, actually, because um, because of the potential for us getting him onto the podcast. I've been reading up a lot about him, trying to trying to learn him, study him a little bit. So I do like that pick. Uh, my slipper that I got for him is Sutton Smith, a uh, linebacker out of Northern Illinois. Um, the defense is in pretty good shape overall, uh, good enough that even if the offense does happen to struggle, uh, they can win some games for him. Um, but towards the later rounds of the draft, and, and like most teams, the Browns should be addressing depth, and Sutton Smith provides just that. Uh, they do have three fifth-round picks this year, um, and Smith, I think they give, they're giving him a grade of uh, like around four to six-round grade, and so he should be there, and hopefully they can, they can grab him with one of their three fifth-round picks. Uh, it's just, like I said, their, their defense is pretty strong, um, they did. They traded for Olivier Vernon. Uh, they got Joe Schobert, Christian uh, Christian Kirksey, um, and they kind of replaced um, Peppers with Morgan Burnett. Denzel Ward uh, was their second first round pick last year, and then obviously uh, Miles Garrett and went out and got Sheldon Richardson. So overall, like they got really nice defense. Um, they can they can definitely take a lot of pressure off the offense, but the um, like I said, they're going to be looking for depth later on in the draft, and Sutton Smith provides just that. Yeah, Sutton Smith, man, he's he know for him being a smaller guy, he can really get to the quarterback, and uh, I'm hoping he he's able to pan out into at least a rotational role for somebody because the dude doesn't let his his size limitations prevent him from sacking the quarterback. I think like like I talked about him yesterday or the last podcast a little bit, he had like 29 sacks the last two seasons in college. And he's just he, he knows he just knows how to work around his limitations. And we see guys like that in the league all the time, you know, smaller receivers, um, you know, s- smaller defensive players all the time that just go and they, if they know how to play the game of football, they can overcome those limitations. Yeah, it's definitely for smaller guy. He's uh, he's really athletic, so he's in the right system. Uh, maybe don't put too much pressure on him where he has to start right away, get him somewhere like a Cleveland that they can uh, kind of just rotate him in and he gets comfortable with the, with the faster play of the NFL uh, top three needs. Um, I addressed basically two of them uh, offensive line linebacker. Third one I got is uh, just basically just a backup tight end. Um, Obviously, they have David Njoku there. He's one of the top tight ends in the league. I think he sees a huge increase this year, especially with Odell drawing double teams and and Landry there. He's a PPR monster. So uh, Njoku over the middle is definitely going to open some things up. But uh, a backup never hurts. Um, maybe somebody in the late later rounds. Uh, we mentioned a couple on the AFC East podcast. Um, I don't think Jay Stern Jay Sternberger is going to be one of their targeted guys, but maybe somebody like a Caden Smith. Even uh, he he might be there uh, if Buffalo, who I want to take, doesn't take him. So a backup tight end for in two tight end sets on the other side of David and Joku. Who do you got for your three? I have at one offensive guard just because they lost Kevin Zettler. Corner, I do think they need another guy that can go and lock down a receiver, which is why I mentioned Clifton Duck. And then I at third, I have linebacker. The Jamie Collins thing didn't work out. Um, it's they, they really only have one good linebacker. And I wouldn't be surprised if they actually doubled down at the linebacker position due to them not really having many big needs. So it's it's something I think linebackers a position I definitely think they they have to take care of if they do want to live up to the the hype this year. All right, that's a good good piece on the Browns. Let's uh, let's move on to a team that a team that took a huge hit this year, losing two of their top guys. Uh, Pittsburgh. Who do you got as their as the guy that needs the best draft? I have Big Ben. Uh, it's you know it, it's in the last couple off season they lost Ryan Sager, unfortunately due to injury. I'm hoping he can come back before you know too much longer. And then Bale and Antonio Brown, and that those three losses were the the main losses. We're not even talking about the the 
the Jesse James that they lost. We're not talking about Morgan Burnett. We're not talking about the secondary. So we're talking about the main losses. And those three losses can absolutely crush any team. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if Ben can actually carry the team on his back now that Bell and Brown, you know, fell out of favor. You know, finding some later wide receiver tight end help um, can cushion the blow. And I also think they need to get another running back to pair with James Conner because it looks like he kind of wore down toward the end of the season. I mean, I think this draft is, uh, even though they do have some defensive needs, I think they need to really try to support Ben this year because I I don't know if Ben's going to be able to actually uh, be a legitimate threat with without Bell and Brown. Yeah, it's hard to even. I know on our um, on our rankings podcast um, that we that we started to record, we it, it I think only one of us really only had uh, Big Ben ranked, and that's basically because of the talent around him. Um, my guy is Mike Tomlin. Uh, Big Ben was also he was probably my number two, and I actually uh, do talk about Big Ben a little bit because he does have a lot to do with it. But just Tomlin overall, uh, he's basically entering the season as the third longest tenured head coach in the league, uh, behind Belichick and behind Sean Payton, um, and he takes over as the longest head, uh, longest tenured coach in his division with Marvin Lewis of the Bengals uh, being let go as soon as the season ended. Uh, and although he does have one Super Bowl under his belt, that was basically almost 10 years ago. And expectations in Pittsburgh are a little higher for Pittsburgh than they are for most teams. They, they Fans expect this team to win every year. Um, fans expect them to compete every year. And they are always in the hunt. And, and I don't think Tomlin has a uh, losing record uh, in his career there. So, but it's like, I mean, it, it's, they need to, uh, he needs to win another one. Uh, it's not often that a team loses basically arguably the best two players at the respective positions. Um, but as we touched on it, the Steelers did just that. Le'Veon Bell uh, was, at least in the fantasy world, one of the top um, running backs in just the way that he plays the game, he hit the open market and obviously he signed with the New York Jets and, and then Antonio Brown, as we all know, he was traded to the Raiders. He's always in the discussion for the top wide receiver in the league. Um, he went to the Raiders for basically a ham sandwich and a couple of draft picks. Uh, Big Ben would have been probably a better option for me here, but I think as a whole, it has to be on Tomlin. Uh, they, because like you mentioned, they do need to get some weapons for Ben. They need to kind of help him out, but they also need that defense. Uh, they need somebody to help out Juju, um, and they just basically need to put another championship roster together before Big Ben decides to hang him up. Yeah, and as most winning franchises, it's what have you done for me lately? And making the playoffs again, bounced early, or you know, losing your superstars isn't a uh, – when someone asks you, what have you done for me now? It's, that's not a good answer for uh, for any coach to give. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, who do you got for your uh, ideal target? Even though I did say that needed to give Ben some weapons, my ideal target for them is Greedy Williams. Um, they they spent some picks. They've signed some players the last couple of years to try to shore up that uh, that secondary, and it's it's mediocre at best. You got Joe Hayden there, but he is getting older. He doesn't have many years left. And um, I think Greedy Williams can learn a lot from Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden, you know, he at one time he was, you know, talked about as one of the top, you know, three to, uh, corners in the game, maybe even the top corner in the game at one time. And if, you know, if Pittsburgh can't score a bunch of points because of the, their losses, help Ben by – Having helping your defense stop letting up all the points because if Pittsburgh is giving up 27, 28 points a game, I don't think they can they can score thirty to win. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you there. Um, I didn't really break it down to just Greedy Williams though. I basically uh, mentioned that one of the top three corners, uh, Greedy Williams, along with Byron Murphy or DeAndre Baker. Uh, I could I put money on that out of the 20th spot that they're picking one of those three. Uh, the front seven is it's solid. Um, obviously, uh, Ryan Shazier, um, hopefully he could come back at some point, but it would be a lot better if he were there. But even without him, they are they do have a pretty solid front seven. Uh, it's the secondary that is 
if they have a weak spot on the secondary or in the defense, it's definitely the secondary. Uh, Joe Hayden, you mentioned he is getting older. Um, and they got guys like A.J. Green, Jarvis Landry, and Odell Beckham in their division that they're playing twice a year. So they got a, definitely got to grab another a top-end cornerback to try to help shut those other guys down. Um, so, yeah, I, along with Grady Williams, Byron Murphy, or DeAndre Baker, I think any one of those three uh, would be a perfect fit for them. Uh, who's your sleeper? My sleeper helps, Ben. I'm going to go the guy I've watched a ton, and it's uh, Michigan State wide receiver Jelton Davis. He's being slept on a little bit for some reason. Is He tore his ACL back in, I think, October. Took him out the rest of the season. But the dude can ball. I mean, he'll be ready to, to contribute this season. Um, and he can really help the offense. He's a reliable option who can stretch the field. He catches basically anything you throw his way. He has a good feel for the game. And he, he should turn into a very good wide receiver, you know, after, you know, learning from Juju, who even though he's still young, he's very knowledgeable. Um, and, other, and other wide receivers around the league, he can learn from – he's going to – he's – he loves the game of football. He wants to do everything in his power to secede. And um, even better is that you can get him in the fifth to seventh round and potentially get a receiver that's – he might not be an Antonio Brown who they grabbed in the sixth round, but uh, he can definitely be a an absolute – one of them late-round steals that we, we, we see every year. Yeah, you scared me a little bit when you said that your, your sleeper was a target for Ben because my sleeper's a target for Ben, but – Finally, we got somebody that's not the same guy. Uh, mine is Jay Sternberger, uh, tight end out of Texas A&M. Uh, as we all know, and as you know the most, they lost Jesse James to your Lions in free agency. Uh, and as mentioned in our AFC East podcast, this is a fairly deep tight end class. And Jace does carry a basically a round grade of about three to five. Um, I've seen him more so third round, but I have seen him drop to the fifth round uh, and he could still be there when the Steelers do pick in the fifth round. They have the 141st overall pick from that Oakland trade that brought uh, Antonio Brown to Oakland. So uh, Jay Sternberger, another, another guy to help out Ben in that offense, pair him up with Vance McDonald, um, kind of open it up for, uh, for Juju and Moncrief on the outside uh, top three targets. Who do you got? I have corner at one, linebacker at two, because they do need to find that true leader on the defense. And number three is tight end, Vance McDonald. He is more of an up-and-down player than a legitimate guy you can count on a week in and week out. And there has been a little bit of an injury history there. So if he were to go down, I mean, you're talking about Jalen Samuels, their running back slash tight ends, the next man up. And, I don't know if he's built to be a true tight end. Yeah, my one and three are the same as you, cornerback and tight end. My my uh, number two is wide receiver. Um, obviously, they got Juju. They went out and got Dante Moncrief. They got second-year wide receiver James Washington. But if they if they forego taking a cornerback at number 20, uh, they're pretty much going to have their cream of the crop of wide receivers if they decide to go that way, um, come in and, and – basically come in as the number two behind Juju. Uh, so cornerback, wide receiver, tight end for me. Uh, third on the list, we have – let's go with uh, the Bengals. Um, who's your who's your guy? For the Bengals, I have Andy Dalton. I mean, he hasn't done much. I mean, he, he puts some wins together. Yes, they have made the playoffs, I believe, four times. But he's 0-4 in the playoffs. I mean, they, he lost the only head coach he's ever had. Uh, Tyler Eifert, as great as he is when healthy, that's the problem. He, he's never healthy. Uh, they, they have A.J. Green, who now he's starting to come up with. At first, it was just nagging injuries, to now it's injuries that are keeping him out of games. They, they don't really have much outside of Tyler Boyd. And I even though Tyler Boyd posted some good numbers, I don't know if he's the – the guy that can step in and take over a game. And then there's potential bust John Ross, who's there, who I've basically caught as many, as many footballs in the NFL as he has. And uh, that that's really it. I mean, I don't know how somebody like Dalton who is mediocre can thrive when there's not any talent around him to thrive on. If AJ green is off the field or even if he is on, I mean, you isolate AJ green, 
it's it's not going to be good for Dalton or that offense. And, you know, with Marvin Lewis being gone, I think if anything were to happen, if they faltered this year, like to the point where they went three and 13, four and 12, I wouldn't be surprised if Dalton was a next man cut. Yeah, Tyler Boyd was definitely a uh, hit or miss. I know that from firsthand experience having him in fantasy this year. Um, he did win me a couple of weeks, but the, at the same time, he also um, I, I kept him in another week and, and he lost me a couple of weeks. So uh, I definitely know firsthand from that. But um, I got and I actually went to our uh, fellow fantasy football fraternity admin, uh, Agent Joe, who is a huge Bengals fan. And I kind of just gave him the list of questions and told him to give me his ideas and I'll use what I can. So I'm actually going to use his answer for, for this first question. Um, and it's, it's a different one that we've seen and it's the fans. Uh, the Bengals are basically, they're coming in with a new man in charge for the first time since 2003. Uh, Marvin Lewis was let go. And in that time, the fans have basically suffered seven one-and-done wildcard playoff losses. Uh, he, he has not made it out of the wildcard round, and they haven't had a good enough team to uh, be beyond the wildcard round and go right to the divisional round with the first round bye. Uh, there's probably not much to be expected this year. Uh, they'll probably experience some rookie head coach growing pains. Uh, the offense, if it is healthy, and that's a, that's a capitalized, underlined, bold if, uh, they can be really good. Uh, Dalton, Nixon, A.J. Green, Eifert, as a unit, they, they can definitely put up points. It's keeping them all healthy together. Uh, there were points last year where all four of them at the same time missed games, and you, you just can't have that. So um, the fans, they... Cincinnati fans, they're they're diehard. They've been they're they do deserve a better product on the field. Um, so they 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 definitely need to have uh they definitely need to have a good draft and and hopefully have something to cheer about this year. They're Cincinnati's probably one of the teams, uh, especially if the the main guys don't stay healthy. They're one of the teams in the running for uh, the first overall pick next year with Miami with the Giants. Um, so it's they just need something to cheer about. Uh, so I got the fans there. And, you know, that's actually real smart. I mean, you could say that about quite a few teams, too. I mean, it, it is unfortunate that some teams go to the point where they go so long without making the playoffs or they go so long without making a playoff game. Uh, unfortunately for you and me, we don't get to, to at least brag about being one and done in the playoffs. We don't make the playoffs. Yeah, we've um, experienced that. <laughs> yeah, so – but I get it. The, you know, the fans do need something – and, and I mean, kind of I sit there and wonder, coming from like our perspectives, is would we rather have it where the Bills and the Lions made the playoffs and just had, you know, got eliminated in the wild card game, or are we just would we prefer just to just not make the playoffs? I mean, which is which is more like disappointing in your eyes? It's being the team with the longest drought. I would probably have to say. Um, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I don't know, actually, it's, it's really hard to say because I, I did go 17 years without a playoff uh, appearance and, um, we did go 20 plus years without an actual playoff win. And the last playoff game that we had, we scored three points, uh, down in Jacksonville. So, but it's, I can tell you that having that one playoff game was just, it was amazing. Just, just, a at least at the beginning of the game to just have it on, just, just have it on in the household and have it on TV and just be around friends. But, and, and then having uh, the fans greet the team at the airport, uh, even after they lost, uh, they greeted them two weeks in a row. Cause they greeted them after they, after they beat Miami in week 17 in the freezing cold on new year's Eve. And then the very next week uh, they greeted them to, to congratulate them on the season for finally ending the drought. Um, but I think I would rather, be in the position that the bills were in than be one and done's because it doesn't seem like number one, like you're getting worse draft picks and, uh, and obviously GMs and coaches need to, uh, they need to hit on them to, to make a successful team. But um, with, and Buffalo really hasn't shown that even picking in the top 10, top 15 consistently, they're, they're putting a, a team out there, but um, I, I'd rather have us build the right way um, if we're missing the playoffs, miss the playoffs, and then and then just learn off of that. Uh, what was your answer to that question? Yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, we've – I think the Lions made the playoffs twice since I've been born. Uh, 
<laughs> I haven't won a playoff game since I think the year before I was born, or maybe two years before I was born. So it's maybe it's because I'm used to not making the playoffs. But um, the two times that they did make the playoffs, I was ecstatic. And then it's, when, when we got bounced the first round, it, there was a lot of disappointment. I mean, granted, the one game against the Cowboys where we lost, I, I do believe that we should have won that game. There was a, a really bad blown call. But, yeah, I, I would rather just do what we're doing now, not make the playoffs, get the draft pick, and uh, hopefully turn it into a superstar. Yeah, it's um, and the thing that sucks for both of us too is we have two of the best quarterbacks to ever play that are in our division that we're seeing twice a year now. With with in my perspective, we have um, just none of the three teams are really able to compete with with the Patriots. So it's like we're it's anywhere between four to six automatic wins. So the best that we could root for is basically a wild card spot. Um, with your division is just pretty much it's kind of wide open. Obviously Aaron Rodgers went healthy. He is one of the top quarterbacks to play the game and he definitely opens it up a lot. Um, but even if not, it's, it's basically the other three teams in the division lions, bears and, uh, and Vikings all kind of have a chance to take that division. If Rodgers ends up missing a few games in a season. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to the, the ideal targets for the Bengals and the uh, sleepers. Um, now, before I mentioned mine, see, I'll mention yours first, but um, I did. I basically thought of these off the top of my head, and then I kind of went back and cross-referenced them to our seven-round mock that we did, and they were actually picked exactly by the Bengals in our seven-round mock, so it kind of worked out perfectly. Um, so I, I have two players that are that were picked by the Bengals in our mock. But let's start with you. Who's your ideal target at eleven? My ideal target is T.J. Hawkinson, just because he's a tight end that Eifert once was. I mean, he'll make Dalton feel more comfortable. He can help try to turn his career around, which I think is going to be key for Dalton. And you know, we've seen Dalton was thriving when he had that elite tight end on the field. And I think Hawkinson can be that. Uh, The guy is someone you potentially build your offense around too, even though he's from the tight end position, is because he he shows a willingness to block, which even though he's not too good at blocking right now, I expect him to get better at it. Uh, He's good in the end zone. And and he 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 seems like he can catch just – just about anywhere you throw the ball, as long as it's within his catch radius, which is huge, huge. He he gets his hands on it, and he's he's gonna be very reliable for basically any team. And uh, Cincinnati needs that reliable guy. Yeah, and then the um, we're doing a first round mock on the fantasy football fraternity page. Um, I know he's gotten a few votes for the Bengals. They ultimately ended up with. Devin Bush, Hawkinson actually went uh, to 10 to Denver, uh, but Devin Bush uh, would be perfect fit for them for the Bengals at number 11. But um, I actually have uh, Jonah Williams, uh, the offensive tackle out of Alabama. The he's he's been he's been rated as the one or two offensive tackle in this draft. Uh, it's kind of been back and forth between him and Jawan Taylor. I think Jawan Taylor goes a few picks earlier, whether that be to, I mean, anywhere, honestly, between seven to 10, he can go uh, Jacksonville, Detroit, Buffalo, and even Denver. Although I think Denver goes elsewhere, um, but seven, eight, nine, he could definitely go. So Jonah Williams is basically the, the next man, the next man up um, the key to the Bengals success as of right now, until they get somebody new, goes through Andy Dalton. But even the next quarterback that comes in, you you want to keep him upright. You want to protect him. Um, so I think keeping him upright is the number one concern in the draft, um, especially if it is going to be a a down year for them. They they should build a solid offensive line and have either whether it's Andy Dalton next year or or a new quarterback that's under center next year, they they need to put a solid five together. Uh, they did last off season. They did trade uh, for Cordy Glenn from my Buffalo Bills, and he's 
their starting left tackle right now, uh, Jonah would basically come in and he could start right away at the right tackle spot, um, kind of solidify the two outsides and, and, and get all that going. Uh, so Jonah Williams out of Alabama, who do you got for your sleeper? I If Dalton fills, I mean, I got my sleeper is a guy that could step right in, and that's Will Greer, uh, Will Greer from uh, West Virginia, quarterback. New regime normally means new quarterbacks. There has been too much saying that they're going to give up on Dalton. They're going to at least try him out. But if they don't like Dalton, they have they, they could potentially get his replacement in the draft. Um, Greyer has potential. I mean, he really does. He has a big arm. Um, and I think he gets in the right situation. You know, he can succeed. And I think having a receiver like Green to help him, I you know, if they do get a grab a tight end early, that'll help him. And I, you know, there is some rumblings he could potentially go in the first round, the back of the first round. I don't see that. I think he goes more into round three, maybe round four. And uh, if he's there, I mean, I would not be surprised. I don't think this new coach feels comfortable with Dalton. Uh, you know, he, he, he knows that he's their best quarterback on the roster right now. But after next Thursday, that could change. He could feel that Dalton's not not the, the guy in the locker room. Yeah, I think I think Greer goes to a team that that has a solidified uh, number one quarterback, but and that can learn behind him. Um, and I'm not I'm not saying that Andy Dalton is a solidified number one quarterback, but he I, I think I'm a little higher on Dalton than you are. Um, I I still think that he has a lot left in the tank and that he could still lead a team here. And 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 Greer would be a good fit for him in Cincinnati. I I do see him more so on a team like the Patriots or, or the Chargers or somebody where the their guy is pretty much almost on their way out. I mean, you know, Tom Brady wants to play till he's fifty, but um, if that doesn't happen, he'd definitely be the right quarterback to learn from. Uh, but I could see, I could definitely see them. One way or another, I could see them taking a quarterback. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Greer having that, he is especially somebody that um, that scouts. Few of them think that he could be a first round talent. That would be an absolute steal if he's there in the third or fourth round. And after all, the other quarterbacks are taken. Uh, who I got is Khalil Hodge, uh, linebacker out of Buffalo. Uh, he is a little undersized, but he could end up being a very good rotational player throughout his entire career. Uh, the Bengals, they did cut Vontez Perfect, and he proceeded to sign with the Raiders, and the depth at the linebacker position for the Bengals is not strong at all. Um, like I said, he can be he can be a, a good rotational player throughout his career, but going to a team like Cincinnati, he could very well end up being a starter um, as early as even this year if he were to go there. Uh, we could possibly see one of the Devons, uh, White or Bush, go at 11 instead of Jonah Williams, who I already mentioned, and that would help out the defense a lot. Um, but have Cleo Hodge later on in the draft, I think in our seven-round Mac, well, Severon Maki went in the sixth round, and I've been seeing uh, round grades of between five to seven for him. So he'd, uh, I don't want to necessarily say he would be a steal, but uh, being here in Buffalo and watching their games on TV, I do, I got a soft spot for him. And I think that, I don't think he's going to turn into like a, like a Luke Keekley or a Ray Lewis or anything like that, but I think he, he can, on the right team, in the right fit, give him some time to play. Uh, he could be a pretty decent linebacker in this, in this league. Yeah, I'm a fan of his. He kind of stunk it up at the, the combine, but I do think he's better suited off as a rotational guy right now than, than a starter. But, yeah, I mean, and, and we see it every year, too, that rotational guys, they're almost as important as your starters. I mean, depending on the position – the guy comes in to relieve your starter for a little bit uh, to make sure your starter stays fresh and stay healthy. And then every team has it that where your one of your main guys go down every year and it's that other guy. And next thing you know, your third wide or your third offensive lineman on the depth start, he's a swing man and, and whatnot. And we see it with linebackers and corners too, the third and fourth guy in the depth chart. All of a sudden you see him bumped up to – getting normal reps in games and, and, and that's key. I mean, especially with as many needs as um, Cincinnati does have I, and as many players as I need to, if you can find a guy like Hodge in the fifth and sixth round, even the seventh round, 
they'll take it. I mean, for them, who knows? Depth guys might turn into starters this year. Yeah, they. Um, he's he's definitely a, a like I said, he's definitely a guy that I could see having a good career. Uh, depth guys, they like you said, they they come in and they relieve your starters and they basically they do two things: they keep the starters fresh, and then when they're in and they have a uh, they have a chance to to do to shine and. and, and basically basically show the coaching staff what they can do they're hungry too so um kind of getting killing two birds with one stone they're trying to get a starting job somewhere whether it be with with their current team or or, or another scout finds them or and they're also keeping their uh keeping their teammates fresh and, and ready to go so they can win some games uh top three needs for the Bengals. um there's a long list but uh top three are going to be offensive line linebacker and quarterback uh again i I'm a little higher on Andy Dalton than you are, but the read between the lines, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, I don't know how much longer Andy Dalton has on this team. Um, maybe he starts somewhere else, uh, whether via trade or or he's cut next off season. Who knows? Um, but quarterback is definitely somewhere on their on their list, even as early as this year. Who do you got? It's funny because I think these three can basically be one A, one B, and one C. And in my order, I have him tight end, offensive line, and linebacker. Uh, I have tight end as the main need just because I think that would be key to Dalton's maybe uh, re-emerging as the franchise guy there. Um, but, yeah, offensive line, they need to keep him upright. They only have one real piece on the offensive line. And then linebacker, you know, they – they they almost need a whole new linebacking corps to be honest. I mean, I think their starters right now are more suited to be backup guys, and uh, yeah, they're, it's they're they're somewhat kind of like the Dolphins though. I mean, outside of a few positions, you you go you you threat you know you write a uh, uh, write you know a list on the board, you throw a dart at it, and then you pick a name of that position that the dart landed on. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be be interesting to see. Um, they have a Monday night game this year. I, I I don't know their whole schedule, so I don't know if they have any other primetime games. But I was looking at the Monday night schedule, and they have a Monday night game, and that's it's probably going to be ugly. Uh, I'm not really looking forward to that, but it's football, so I'm going to watch it. Uh, the final team that we have is the AFC North champion, Baltimore Ravens, uh, coming in with uh, they got. Rookie, well, second-year quarterback now, Lamar Jackson, going into his first full offseason as the starter, knowing that he's the starter. Obviously, last year they had Joe Flacco. Um, who do you have? Actually, I'll, I'll touch on that because I already I already mentioned him. I'll go first here. I got Lamar Jackson. Um, it has to be Lamar Jackson, right? It's. I don't think it was Baltimore's plans last year to have Jackson see the field at all. Um, and They kind of built for Joe Flacco by bringing in uh, John Brown and and just having just having guys like that around them, but uh, obviously Jackson came in. They made the playoffs and and not completely because of him, but they did have a strong run game, which he was a big part of, and their defense was pretty strong. Uh, but now the reins are turned over to him with a full off season, knowing that he's a starter. Um, but again, who are his weapons? Uh, Crabtree was cut. John Brown wasn't resigned. He's now with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Willie Sneed is there. They got like 43 tight ends on the roster, and they signed Mark Ingram um, for the backfield. But that's that's about it. I mean, there's behind Willie Sneed. Who do they got? Um, I'm fully confident that with their first pick at number 22, and possibly even their second pick, uh, second round pick, that they're going to go with an offensive playmaker, um, a wide receiver or two in this draft, uh, maybe even triple up and go three wide receivers because they they got to help him out. If, if they want Lamar Jackson to be successful in this league, they have to – I don't want to say they have to make him a quarterback because it, he showed last year that they can win games with how he plays, but teams are going to figure him out. I'm not a huge fan of his. Um, I'm really – I hope he succeeds. I honestly, I want last year's draft class to be the best quarterback draft class, just because my guy came out of that draft class. So it'd be nice to have just, just it in the history books. But I, I don't see Lamar Jackson having a long career unless he knows how to throw the football, and they got to get him weapons to do that. No, and I was thinking I went with a different player, but I was super tempted to, to touch, you know, to grab Jackson too. But uh, it's my thing is. What separates Lamar Jackson from Tim Tebow? 
they're almost identical players. They did, you know, they had the opportunity to get drafted for a different position. They said no, you know, I want to be a quarterback. You know, uh, they're almost identical players. There's some arm issues there. There's some accuracy issues. They can they can run like hell though. I mean, Tebow Tebow could Tebow and Jax could probably be two of the best running quarterbacks ever if you know if Tebow's career you know, was longer than what it was. And if Jackson can go play like a normal quarterback or like in as many years as a quarterback doing what he's doing, but I don't see that. But my guy was Don Martindale, the defensive coordinator, just because the Ravens lost so many key players on defense this offseason. And outside of our receiver, they need to focus on the defensive side of the ball. If they, if, you know, they start going and giving up a ton of points a game and they're giving up huge chunk plays, Martindale, he could, he could be you know he could be let go before midseason. Yeah, that's a good one. I wasn't even thinking about any of the any of the uh, positional coaches or, or coordinators or anything like that. I was that's definitely something to look forward to for the next next podcast. Maybe might dig a little bit deeper. Um, getting into the ideal targets, as I already kind of touched on it, I think that they're going to be going wide receiver uh, or playmaker um, with the first with their first pick, and they right now they pick at 22. Uh, I'm going to go with DK Metcalf, wide receiver out of Ole Miss. Um, they they need to grab some weapons early and often, and with the def- with the draft being so defensive heavy, uh, and a few teams also needing a quarterback, DK he could fall to the 20s, uh, and he could be there at 22 for Baltimore. Um, there's been some mock drafts where he has been going in the top 10. His combine um, shot his draft stock up a lot, but it's it's just going to basically it's just going to go with the flow. So however this draft is going, if uh, teams just keep on taking defense and defense and quarterback and defense and, and DK definitely could be there at 22. Uh, he comes in as the number one wide receiver by many scouts. Uh, he has a size and athleticism to be a team's number one and grow with a young quarterback like Lamar Jackson. Uh, give Lamar, who does have some accuracy issues, a big target. Just chuck the ball up. DK has the speed. Uh, he has the athleticism to be in the back of the end zone and catch those um, higher than higher than normal or, or back corner end zone balls. So uh, DK would be would be a perfect fit for them at 22. Yeah, and my ideal target is wide receiver as well. And you mentioned DK because he's a bigger guy. I say go bigger. I'm going six foot six. I'm going Nikhil Harry from Arizona State. Jackson needs talent at the wide receiver position in order to continue developing as a quarterback. And um, he, Harry's six foot six. You know, that can help Jackson a ton and make him look good because he don't have to be, you know, even 75% accurate when he's throwing balls in a six foot six receiver and Nikhil Harry's going to come down and grab the ball and just make him look good, which I think in order for Jackson to stay a quarterback, he's going to need those guys that can actually make him look like he's, he's improved more than he actually has. Yeah. I had Harry at first and I actually, um, I was kind of 50, 50 on, on Metcalf and Harry, but like just thinking about how the first, potential 20 picks can go and DK like just with all the box that I've done over even just the past couple of days um, DK is falling so I just said why not I, just have him there and, and he's definitely an option there uh, but Nikhil I actually had him first but I decided to go with Metcalf uh, my sleeper um, and if you've listened to uh, another podcast that I've been on uh, Nickel City Sportscast you'll know who I'm talking about Blake Cashman um, I mentioned him on that other podcast. He is, he's a sleeper that I, we were mostly talking about for the bills and he's a, he's a guy that I wouldn't mind the bills grabbing. Um, and if you listen to that, that podcast, you'll, I, I won't go too much into it here um, because I, I don't want to just repeat myself. Uh, but basically I have a really good piece on him on that other podcast, but uh, just getting into what the Ravens went even for the Ravens are in need for some playmaking linebackers, um, just linebackers in general, actually their longtime linebacker Terrell Suggs is now uh, down in the desert in Arizona. And that leaves basically their unit consists of Matt Judon and just a bunch of other guys. Uh, the Ravens should, and we'll probably draft a linebacker earlier and 
anyone who comes in will basically have a chance to start right away. So it's Blake Cashman. He's a little undersized as well, um, but he's he kind of fits the same same description as um, Khalil Hodge for the Bengals, where maybe they're not starting on a lot of these teams, but the the right teams and teams that are just in like desperate need for these types of players, they could be starting in week one. Uh, so Blake Cashman for uh, for the bank or not the Bengals, the uh, Ravens. Yeah, and I think that's a very good pick. Um, it's funny because our ideal target was both receivers, and our sleeper picks are both linebackers. I have outside linebacker slash edge rusher Chase Winovich from Michigan. Winovich, I've seen it firsthand because I'm a state fan. Um, I've seen him wreck quarterbacks, uh, and, and that's what they need. You mentioned they lost Suggs. They lost Mosley. Um, they, they lost basically – Anybody on that roster that could get to the quarterback, they basically lost them. And Winovich is a player that can help the restock, and he's he's a quarterback hunter. I mean, Winovich knows he's it's he's explosive, a quick first step. He can use his hands and get around the the blockers super quickly. And he, honestly, he's one of the first, like wherever he goes, even though this would be the the highest level of talent he can go against. Whenever somebody's in the backfield getting the quarterback, Winovich is going to be one of the first guys there. He is so dominant when he's coming off the edge. And he can cover a little bit. He didn't do it too often in Michigan, but he can, which I, I think that's what they need. They need, you know, they need a guy that could – they need one guy that they get out of this draft that can go after the quarterback on every down and occasionally drop back, basically like Terrell Suggs. Suggs – his main job in Baltimore was to go after the quarterback. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think the last couple of years, they really did have him drop back too much. Um, and, and Winovich is a guy that can, that can fill in and, and do that role as well. Uh, earlier in the, in the season, off season, there was some whispers about him going round one. I never bought it. I seen him more as round two to three guy. And uh, even though he's not like a deep sleeper around four or five, six guy, I think, I haven't seen a lot of mocks where Winovich is actually being on the board for Baltimore. I mean, they're, they're taking basically every other edge guy and just, people are just leaving out Winovich for some reason. And I think Winovich, he's, he's built for that three, four type system. Uh, and he fills one of their biggest needs or basically their biggest defensive need. Yeah. That's an excellent pick. I like that one a lot. Um, he, you has mentioned that he has been, he has been dropping a little bit. Um, he's there are a few earlier mocks that if you if you were to dig up, you could see him possibly in the first. But I've I've seen him later, uh, second, third, and being that Baltimore made the playoffs last year, a lot of their picks are in the early to mid twenties. So um, they they're kind of in a tough spot to where if they want somebody like him, they'd either have to grab him in the second because I don't think he'll be there mid to late twenties in the third. Uh, but he's a He's an excellent pick. I've seen. He seems like just. I've. I don't have a lot of film on him. I, I. I've read a little bit about him, and I've seen a little bit of him. But for the most part, I've seen him on. Uh, a lot of times, he's been on Good Morning Football, uh, talking to Kay Adams and, and the rest of the crew. And he just seems like a real down to earth guy and just ready to compete wherever he gets drafted. He's. He's kind of humble. He's not cocky. Um, he just seems like a guy that. Um, Per, as a personable guy, I'd want him on my on my team. Uh, top three needs that I got: I got wide receiver, linebacker, and wide receiver. I'm just kidding. I got a defensive line for the for, for the third guy. Um, they their defense is a mess. Um, they you mentioned already that they lost Mosley. I mentioned that they lost Suggs. Um, that, those aren't defensive linemen, but just overall, they they need to their their defense is basically rebuilding and their line uh, right now isn't that strong either. They it's, it's, it's weird talking about Baltimore's defense and talking about them in a bad way because they have always been known for their strong get to the quarterback, create turnover defense, low scoring punch you in the mouth football games. And it doesn't seem like we're going to see that this year from them. Uh, so wide receiver linebacker and defensive line for me. Um, and that's all across the defensive line you mentioned. And, uh, but I could see them even needing a tackle too. Uh, so who do you got? Uh, mine are basically identical to yours. I have wide receiver at one. I have edge rusher at two, and then I have linebacker at three. <clears throat> Just for the obvious reasons, their defense 
if they had a legitimate wide receiver there, I don't think they'd really spend more than one pick on offense this year. Yeah, they got to build this this defense back up, but they have they got they need weapons on on the outside. Like I said, they got Willie Sneed, and then who else? And even Willie Sneed, he's not he's not a he's not the best wide receiver. I mean, he's the best wide receiver on the Ravens roster, but he's a lot of a lot of his success came from catching balls from Drew Brees. So that's I mean, anybody's going to be successful catching balls from Drew Brees. So they 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 got a lot of work to do. It's if I were to give you my early predictions right now of, of uh, teams that made the playoffs last year that won't make the playoffs this year, I I put Baltimore on that category. Yeah, and I, I don't think they'll be one of the worst teams. I do think they're a team a year from now they're getting ready to pick in the top ten. Uh, and hopefully it'll be a quick rebuild. I mean, it, it, it's all based on Lamar Jackson, to be honest. Yeah, he's got a lot of work to do. He's got a lot of – uh, growing up as a quarterback to do, but it's going to be fun to see. Um, I do. I, I personally like watching the Steelers uh, this year. I'm gonna, and it's nice because the Browns have four primetime games. But I'm I'm going to be excited to watch the Browns this year. Um, and the other two teams, I mean, we my division plays them all four of them, so I'll at least see one game of each. And, and like I mentioned, the Bengals are on Monday Night Football, so I'll be watching them for at least that game. Uh, but other than that, uh, the Browns and the Steelers, they're going to be pretty exciting. The Bengals and the and the Ravens, they're going to – who knows? I mean, it's I, I feel sorry for their fans this year. Uh, the Ravens, they coming off that playoff uh, berth last year, they, they got a lot of growing up to do. Uh, the Bengals, I'm sorry, Joe, but – uh, I don't see the Bengals doing anything. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. I mean, and we see it happen in a lot of sports. Well, every sport, after so many years, the, the, the powerhouses fall and the biggest losers become powerhouses for a short amount of time. And we're kind of seeing that. I mean, Pitts, um, excuse me, Cleveland's been the laughing stock of basically the NFL for years. And now people, some people are penciling in for – uh, a potential dark horse Super Bowl candidate, candidate, and uh, <clears throat> that that wouldn't shock me if they got there, based on talent, and and that it's you know you got Pittsburgh who is almost a lock to make the playoffs every year, the Ravens who are a lock to at least push for a playoff spot to at least week sixteen, week seventeen, and then you got the Bengals who always seem to every year they're supposed to do bad they do well. And now it's the point where the Bengals aren't going to do well. They're not expected to do well. Um, Baltimore is expected to be at least maybe competitive, but not a threat. And I don't even know, you know, I don't even know now if you consider Pittsburgh a threat. I mean, I don't know if you go into a game and you're scared of Pittsburgh anymore. As long as Ben's there, I think you have to be a little bit scared of them. Um, they do have – uh, Connor and Juju and, and Vance McDonald, who can all open up the field, but it, it, a lot of it does. It's going to be their defense that it's tough to play in the AFC North. Um, you need to have a good running game. You need to have a good defense, and and Pittsburgh has half of that. They they got to build that defense and to get that other half. But uh, let's wrap it up for tonight. We want to try to keep these uh, mini mini series uh, podcasts short. Um, it's we're over. Looks like we're over an hour now, but. Uh, Let's wrap it up. So um uh, got a bunch of big things going on. As we mentioned in the last podcast, we are starting to get into merchandising, um, koozies, t-shirts. Uh, we got a contest that contest that's gonna be going on. Um check out our fancy page, the fancy football fraternity. Uh a week from tomorrow is the NFL draft. And uh after after that we're gonna be getting into some predictions, we're gonna be getting into rankings, we're gonna be getting into our thoughts on the draft. So plenty of podcasts coming up as far as that goes we still have six more episodes for uh, this series that we got going on uh we're going to get into the afc south next uh we'll talk about them and uh any closing words you got before we go no just like you said i mentioned the contest like like share subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts uh leave comments anything helps and like we said we're gonna we're gonna find basically the super fan for the next week um, this contest will go up till the draft and then we'll let the winner know probably that weekend. And we're just looking for the, the, the ultimate fan, even though we're just a smaller, a smaller pod right now. I mean, we have basically a handful of people. It looks like that listen to basically every pod. Uh, 
and we appreciate it. Even though it's not much right now, we want to show our appreciation by giving you guys basically the first ever merch because myself and Jerry don't even have anything for us to wear yet. We're basically making this and giving it away. So you, you're gonna, you guys have merchandise before us, our family, our friends, and um, so it, it'd be cool for everybody. And uh, yeah, just stay tuned for more podcasts. Stay tuned for more content. I am going to start posting more on the actual Great Lakes football talk page more than what we are right now. All we're doing is basically just posting when we have new podcasts up, but uh, we're, we're going to get more into it. We're going to get more involved. I'll start putting up some polls probably this week, just to get some of your guys' thoughts on the, the draft. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. We got a, we got a, a very jam packed week. I mean, we'll have probably some news and notes about big rumors coming up. Uh, hopefully there are some trades before draft day that we can discuss real quick. And yeah, guys, just follow us and thank you for your support and we appreciate it.